and gentlemen, and welcome to the That's What She Said podcast. My name is Alexa Dat. I will be your host today. Producer Kyle is back after a week-long hiatus of doing nothing, because I'm, assu- I'm assuming you were definitely not working. We don't even know where I was. No. It's just like a whole haze. Working on your tan, maybe? Is that it? You came back really pale, so I'm assuming that's what you were doing, because yeah. you do a terrible job at that. Yeah. I did get a haircut, though, that no one can see. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. Very nice. So we've got an awesome guest today, Jeff Schwartz, who is the new Detroit Lions offensive lineman and also the host of the Block Em Up podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So first, congrats on the deal with Detroit. Thank you. It's how exciting. Did, yeah, how, how excited are you? How's that, how's that feeling so far right now? It's good. I'm excited to get a chance to play again. You know, obviously, I had some, a lot of injuries in New York, and I wasn't really able to show what I can do uh, coming off that contract they gave me. So uh, it's an opportunity to keep playing, an opportunity to show that I'm healthy and compete and get a chance to play again. I mean, that's I love playing, and, and I love playing when I'm healthy. Uh, was even more important. So as the story goes, you were working out at the Barwis Methods in Plymouth, and the Lions ring you up for a free agent visit, and you hop in the car and head over on down there. What did you like about the Lions organization when you were there? What did you pick up on that you were like, yeah, I could see this as home? Well, the offensive line coach uh, is really great, and he and the offensive line coach I had in Kansas City, where I had my best season, um, they're good buddies, and they have the same philosophy. So that really um, excited me about the possibility of playing for the Lions. I had my best season there. They do the same drills. Uh, they have the same kind of general philosophy about offensive line play. And then I think with a new GM, you always come an opportunity to compete. Uh, I've been in certain places with new GMs, and they bring in their own guys, and they give everyone a chance to compete. And um, there's also a lot of talent on the Lions. Uh, two years ago, they were a playoff team. Last year, they struggled the first half of the season, but they got a new offensive coordinator. They went 6-2, and two, and they were one Hail Mary away from being 7-1. and one. So there's a lot to work with, and I'm excited to get a chance to, to come in and help these young guys. The offensive line is young. I'm the oldest guy by four years, which is crazy. Wow. Because I don't think of myself as being that old, but – um, I will be 30 soon, which is which is which is young in normal life. <laughs> it's extremely old in football life. So you have this young offensive line, and uh, you're going to be coming in as the vet. But speaking of vets, you miss Megatron by one, by just that little amount of time to be able to play on the same field as him. Are you like, damn it? You should have stayed for at least one more season, stay for at least a game, so we can be on the field together. Oh, it'd be awesome. You know, I- <laughs> You don't get to play with many Hall of Famers. Yeah. And he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, I've been in, in certain teams where I've never played with any, where I've played with a couple. And a guy like that, of course, you want him on your team. He's been here his whole career. He's a leader. Uh, and you want to win for guys like that, too. But, you know, he decided to move on, which is, you know, I mean, well, he played 10 years. <laughs> he can make his decisions um, at that point. So uh, maybe he'll come back. Who knows? Yeah, uh, that would be amazing. Coming out of retirement and all of a sudden he just shows up on the field, you're like, oh, Jesus. It, it's well, weird you know, going into you know, a season without him. Yeah. yeah. I agree. But you know, sometimes uh, you get to a certain point where you just don't want to do training camp anymore. I yeah. don't want to go through the process. And then all of a sudden, September 1st rolls around and you have that itch. And a lot of guys come back. I don't know Calvin Johnson. I've never talked to him. I have no idea what he's thinking. But, um, you know, it's always an option. So in the offseason, you were working in this Barwis methods, and I've heard so much about it because I work with the Mets and I do some sideline reporting with them filling in, and they talk a lot about it. And Travis Darno, the catcher for the Mets, was telling me how he puked his brains out one of the first <laughs> days that he was doing the workout. What's the workout like? I mean, what, why is it so intense? Yeah, I forgot. Mike. Yeah, Mike's the head strength coach for the whole Mets program. Yeah. Um, he just got back up to, to Michigan where we're at uh, a couple days ago. He, he drove his RV up from uh, Florida. Um, they're intense because they don't really care how you're feeling. <laughs> Does that make sense? You know, like if, you know, when you, when I first got here uh, five weeks ago now, I was probably a little behind just re- kind of my ankle and just kind of getting back in the flow of things. And they just did not care. I mean, you know, they just, they put me through the workouts. They're yeah. like, you're going to do the workouts. Obviously, they look out for guys if you're rehabbing and, and things like that. But Mike's uh, brilliant. So he knows how to uh, get the most out of the guys. And he's got a background in, you know, the neurological things, the physiology. And uh, he's excellent. And I know the Mets players like him. Uh, there's a lot of pros up here. He does a lot of hockey. But they'll have 30 hockey guys that show up as soon as the season ends. So it's an impressive group of uh, of athletes he has. Does it take you back to an earlier time, maybe in high school or in college, where you had those two-a-days, where the heat would be beating down on you, your body wasn't used to it? I mean, I remember playing field hockey even and just doing those two-a-days and puking our guts out. Does that Barwis <laughs> method take you back to any of I've, that? I've only puked 
once from a workout. And that was in high school, and that's because I ate bad before the workout. <laughs> if you don't eat, like if you eat right, you shouldn't have to puke, I think. So you're saying the goldfish but, that I ate from the vending machine that was probably yes, like three years bad, old wasn't a good idea? Not a good diet. Bad call. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I like intense workouts, though. I think they have to be that way because the, the nature of our job is it's intense and it's physical, and you, it's, a lot, it's a lot of mental. You have to push through a lot of pain maybe and pain maybe too big of a word but you have to just push through a lot of things and that's what working with Mike is done and even in my other place where I worked the last couple of years I mean that's all it's about is finding a trainer that's willing to push you past your limits and then in turn you train your body to do that you train your mind to do that and then when you get in the football field it's easier because you've already trained yourself to push through those limits that you think you know your body has you can push through them and do more and i'm sure by pushing through them it also helps as a preventative measure to not you know getting injured during the season so you've had three major injuries in the last two years you were saying when you're a free agent and it's all about signing guys who are healthy how do you prove to someone that you're healthy do you go get a doctor's note do you have to get references do you do a song and dance how i mean that must be a tough thing to walk into an office with someone who's sitting behind a desk and prove to them that you're ready to go you know, I passed my exit physical when the Giants um, let me go, so I'm, I'm healthy there. And then I, you know, you post a workout video. I kind of rail against athletes on the internet that post workout videos. Uh-huh. I think it's ridiculous, and the rise and grind group and all this stuff. I just think it's it's. But I had to do one. So <laughs> I kind of went against what I've always said, and I did a workout video and I posted it to kind of show them healthy, and then. You just, you know, you, you, I meet with the Lions. I, I did a physical. I met with the Steelers. I did a physical. I passed the physical. I mean, my ankle itself is fine. So, and that's just, you know, you basically get a contract based off of your injury history. It's the way it works. Uh, I've had that before. You know, you get a one-year deal. You kind of approve it deal, and you have a good season. Then you get rewarded for playing well. So, I get the way the process works. It's kind of frustrating because I know I'm healthy, so it's tough to convince people that I am without them seeing me actually play football. That's the only way you can tell is putting the pads on. That doesn't happen until August, the minimum. So when you were released uh, by the Giants in February, you said you weren't approached by uh, the Giants about a pay cut before your release. So you become a free agent, and then you visit with several different teams before signing with the Lions. But there's a lot of uncertainty between New York and Detroit. What was that free agent process like for you? Oh, it's tough. Yeah. Um, when, when it first happens, I called my poor wife at Target. I should have waited. <laughs> I told her, I told her while well, she was at Target, it was not a good idea. I should have waited until she got home. Um, it's just tough. I have a house in Jersey, you know, so you have to, you have to sell it, move all your stuff back down. You know, we made friends in Jersey. My kid has a school in Jersey. We have a pediatrician. I mean, this type of, these type of little things, but they're important, you know, for your family. Yeah. And then just, trying to find a job and I guess I underestimated how much the injuries were going to play a role in free agency everyone knows I can play like that's not that's not a concern for the people have it's the concern is well can the guy stay healthy which is frustrating because the injuries I've had the last three years are not anything you can out train you talked earlier about the prevent training to prevent injuries yeah you can train to make your legs stronger your quads and hamstrings stronger they'll prevent knee injuries right right and you know, I, I had broken bones. I couldn't do anything about it. So it just yeah. hit some bad luck. But, you know, you're just, you just try to get through it. You try to find ways to uh, not think about it. I have a great agent. He did a great job. Um, and, you know, your family, just, you know, try to get support from your family and, and find ways to not think about free agency. Well, I have an inside source, speaking of your family, that says your mom was not too happy when you were cut. How did the family <laughs> take it? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, they're they're my parents. Of course, they're going to be upset. Yeah. Now that I'm now that I'm a parent, I, I get the feeling. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the business. You know, I was down about it for a day, and then you just get over it, and you have to get back to work. Um, you know, I played last year, not at 100. percent I figured with a you know new coach, not really new coach. I mean, Ben's the head coach, but you know, he was there last year, and they kind of knew what I went through that they would give me a chance to come back at full strength and see what I can do. And I did kind of expect them to come in with another restructure. Um, so, you know, it's just disappointing. It was disappointing what happened. Uh, my parents are probably still upset. I mean, they're very happy I sound the Lions. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, they're your parents. They're supposed to protect you and, and be upset when something bad happens to their child. I get it. How about your brother, Mitch, who, by the way, just signed a five-year, $33 million contract with uh, Kansas City in March. How was his reaction? 
kind of the same. Uh-huh. You know, he's in the business. He he gets it. I think he was also surprised at just the free agency, the kind of the lack of because he knows I can play. I mean, he knows everything about me. We talk every day, so yeah. Um, you know, but his situation, he had to worry about himself too. I mean, he you know he went through free agency himself, and it's stressful for everybody. It's not. It's everyone thinks it's um, it's fun, I guess, because you make a lot of money. I mean, certain guys make a lot of money. I did with the Giants when I signed that contract, but it's a stressful time. I mean, you're deciding where you're going to move and who you're going to play for and, um, you know, trying to fight for everything you can in that contract. Well, and it's completely uprooting your life. I mean, you're talking about the little things that I didn't even think about. If I was thinking about uprooting my life, even my doctors, I mean, you mentioned, you know, your son's pediatrician, little things like that. I mean, even your grocery store or places like, yeah, like Target, like your wife's got to go find a new Target. And that's not, you know, they're just those little nuances that people don't even really think about when they think like now you're moving to a completely different city and people do it a lot for jobs, but usually they have some sort of forewarning or it's their own decision. Whereas this, I mean, you can get the rug pulled out from under you and then all of a sudden you're starting over somewhere completely completely different. That's exactly right. You know, you, you move for a job, let's say you're a banker, you move to Charlotte, Charlotte, I live in Charlotte, you know, there's a lot of banking in Charlotte, you move from New York to Charlotte, I mean, you're there for a while, you can plant roots, uh, knowing that you're probably going to be there. In the NFL, it's hard to do that. I signed a four year contract, I figured I'd at least get three of the four years, I bought a house in Jersey, and then you just have to, you know, we'll come to Detroit, I'm here now, I'm training here now, so I'm here, but you know, you got to find a place to live. You got to figure out, you know, my wife works a little bit in Charlotte. You got to figure out that situation. Just so much to, to, that happens. But we realize it's part of the game. I mean, I don't think that, uh, you know, we, we just get it sort of. Like you just kind of have to grit and bear and, and just do it because you know it's part of the game and, and it provides well for my family. You changed teams a few times, Jeff. Uh, at any point in this team changing free agency, did you consider maybe not moving your family i mean even now with like you just said you had the house in jersey and your new son did you consider maybe keeping the house and just you know doing your time in the nfl and then spending the off season with them well we have a permanent base in charlotte uh we're building a house there so we're living there permanently this might be the year for that uh to be honest with you um my wife has a has a chance to get a management position where she works at the hospital and um, you know, we've kind of put off her job for a while for my job and, uh, signing a one year deal. This might be the time where I'm the one who has to commute back and forth, but it's very hard with a family. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier when just individuals, but I have a, I got a son, I have a daughter on the way in July and just thinking about not being with them is tough, but it's almost, you know, you sometimes you have to make a sacrifice, you know, for the betterment of your family. And, you know, just, you have to fly a lot and I, I'm okay with doing that if it, if it makes, uh, easier for my family. So with your upbringing, you and your brother are what, three years apart? Yes. So were you guys in high school at the same time? No, he's, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a freshman. I was a senior. So did you give him like noogies in the hallway? How did that work? <laughs> no, we were never physical, like fighting brothers. I think just because I was much bigger than my brother growing up and he caught up to me, but I was always much larger. Uh, so we, we were very competitive sports wise. We played a lot of, uh, wiffle ball and we played this game in the house called squish. It was like football on our knees in our bedroom, we just <laughs> all out, just straight out tackle each other. It used to be where you, it was called squish cause you had to squish yourself through the door. The door, the door frame was where it originally was like a goal line stand. It was like one-on-one in the door frame and we moved it to the whole bedroom and that's how we got our aggression out. Uh, we yelled at each other, you know, we're siblings. You disagree sometimes. And, uh, but no, I never, um, did that. Too. I was protective of him. You know, I mean, he was coming in, he, you know, to a new situation in high school and, uh, he's shy. So, you know, I was more protective of him rather than, you know, giving him noogies and wedgies in high school. <laughs> I love this quote from your mom. Um, she said, I started out worrying that they were going to get hurt, but then I realized it was the other players I should be worrying <laughs> about. They were like trucks hitting small cars, and I started to kind of feel like maybe this was their destiny. Does your mom still feel that way about you guys? I think she would be okay if we didn't play. Uh-huh. Um, just because of, you know, obviously everyone knows what the risk of playing football, and um, but... We both love it, so we're both going to do it. But yeah, I mean, she's always worrying about our health, and especially, you know, my brother's been lucky. He hasn't missed a snap in four years. I've been, I've had six surgeries in the NFL. So, um, you know, I know she worries about us for sure. Yeah, of course. I'm sure she worries about her wallet too, because growing up, you guys must have drained them dry trying to eat like everything in the house with two boys growing into monster offensive oh, it was crazy. linemen. 
I, I can't imagine what the grocery bill was like. We had a industrial sized freezer in the garage that just had meat and poultry and fish in it. <laughs> So we didn't even buy that at the grocery store. Like our, I think our food bill was something like twenty grand a year. Oh my god! That. It got to a certain point we couldn't eat out anymore. So we had this this freezer. It was six months worth of food. And at our height, when I was in senior, he was a freshman in high school. We would go through the meat and poultry and fish, all that nonsense, in two months. <laughs> That's insane. And so, what was I family mean, vacation like? Like, so if you guys went to like Disneyland or Disney World, we and go, we didn't go on vacations. We went to San Diego because we were playing. I played sports year round. I played, you know, high school was baseball, basketball, football. I mean, football is my third sport. So I spent the summers playing AAU basketball or playing Legion baseball. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time for vacation. We'd go down to the, our vacations were going to San Diego, we had a little timeshare. That was through high school. That was a better. I went to Vegas to play sports in the summer, but we didn't go, we didn't do many family vacations that were more than driving distance. So you didn't have to worry about eating out in all those different restaurants and wearing, you know, the, the vacation fund being no, drained. I, no, you know, we go to Disneyland now. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm, you know, my parents live in Southern California. I mean, we just, you know, we go and we eat lunch there and it's expensive, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of it, you know, you have to eat and I eat well and the way you eat well is you have to buy fresh food and that gets expensive. Well, you do a lot of cooking, right? And I know you're a big yes. foodie. What do you eat now that, you know, that, that keeps you so healthy? Well, I do the the keto diet, which is I do this when I'm training in the off season. I eat, I add more carbs the se- when the season goes on, but basically no carbs and no sugar. So it's high fat diet. Um, wow! And as an athlete, fat. you can survive on that. Yeah. So I, um, you know, like I worked out. So this morning, uh, well, okay, let me back up. The point of the diet is essentially for guys with body kind of structures like mine. If you have carbs and sugar, it spikes your insulin. And then your body kind of just goes up and down, just goes out of whack. Right. So the point of not eating carbs is you convert your body from burning carbs and sugar into burning fat. So you fuel your body with fat. So it's not like I just go and eat just like globs of butter and whatever <laughs> nonsense you think fat is. But you know, I do have like coconut oils and avocados and cream and butter. You just add this to your diet. I mean, you're realistically supposed to have 75 to 80 percent of your calories be from fat. So like in the morning, I have coffee, I put coconut oil and heavy cream in there. And that's what I have for breakfast, like 600 calories. Wow. Um, That's a a hefty breakfast, the liquid diet, huh? Yeah. So, oh, you just, you can still eat really, really well. Uh Uh, You find alternatives to carbs, but then you have one cheat meal a week. And that cheat meal is like the best thing ever. What do you have for your cheat meal? I rotate. This Uh week, my wife's going to make a... A homemade stuffed crust pizza. Oh, God. Whoa, that's amazing. And then I might have some chips, too, and like maybe some noodles. <laughs> that's a, that's <laughs> a big Loading all the carbs yeah. on one cheat day. Oh, you can have whatever you want. That's awesome. So I've done it in the past. This is when I first started the diet a long time, three or four years ago. And as you go, as you go along, you eat less and less carbs at your cheat meal because it makes you feel so disgusting. But I was at a point where I'd have like a 10-inch pizza, an In-N-Out burger, In-N-Out fries, and then four Krispy Kremes. Oh my God. That's that like is so much food. Yeah, but I haven't had carbs. I, you know, <laughs> it's like two weeks and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ham here. And it was great. But on this diet, I mean, I had a ribeye the other night with goat cheese, rosemary butter on top of it and cream spinach. I mean, that's a great meal. You just don't have bread with it. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's delicious without the bread. You don't even really need the bread in that situation. And oh. especially if it's going to make you feel bad, you might as well just eat something delicious and feel great afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any sort of restaurants in the city? So Kyle, my producer, and I always talk about Jacob's Pickles. I don't know if you'd heard of it or been up to the Upper West Side. It's a delicious um, southern food place here on, on Amsterdam, 83rd in Amsterdam, that we obsess over. So it's basically fried chicken sandwiches, fried pickles, um, cheese grits, all kinds of delicious, you know, and their, their bread pudding is made from biscuits. I mean, the place is outrageous. And I, you know, my dad's from the South, so I eat a lot of Southern food. I don't know. This place could go toe to toe with a lot of different places that I've been to. Yeah. I I leave my Southern food to when I go to the South. When I go to New York, makes sense. That's a good point. In this, in in the city, I, I love a good corned beef pastrami sandwich. Mm -hmm. There's not many better cities to get one of those. Where's your joint that Uh, you go to? Uh, Katz's. Yeah, I like Katz's. you're a Katz guy. I like Carnegie, but I respect the. See, Katz I feel choice. like I feel like Carnegie 
they like rush you in and out really fast. It wasn't like a fun experience there. We well, get like the no, real Katz's New York is experience. Like, Katz's is like part of the whole routine is all part of it too, which oh, is awesome I, with the, the first ticket. Time I went there, I was so lost. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went by myself. I just, I was like, had a doctor's appointment. I was like, I, I had a couple hours to kill. I told the driver, hey, take me to Katz's. And I went there, walked in, had no idea what to do. I went up to the counter and like looked, kind of see what's going on. And the guy yelled at me behind the counter to hurry up because I wasn't ordering fast enough. Um, I then like saw the ticket. I only had 40 bucks in my pocket. So like I had to make sure I was under $40. I barely was. And but it was so good. It's so oh, good. The matzo ball soup. Oh, the matzo ball soup is amazing. The only thing that bothers me about cats is, and I don't know if you've had this experience, if you go in the bathroom, there's like hamster shredded stuff that you put under the bottom of a cage of a hamster all over the bathroom floor. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like shredded newspapers? No, it's like, like sh- it's like shredded wood particles or something. It's so no. bizarre. Are you sure and you the- went to the bathroom and not like a really large hamster cage? No, it was, it was in the bathroom. And then when you walk out, it's like trailing all of it. So that whole back area, I can't go back there anyway. No, and the only reason, I, I, the only I, reason I know that really is because um, Peter had taken a picture when he was there once and they claim they put it up on the wall. We still haven't seen it. We have no idea where that photo is. But we keep going back there every time looking and there's just like hamster <laughs> shredded stuff all over the floor. I don't know what it is. Anyway, the sandwiches are delicious and that's really all that matters. If I lived in the city, I would gain so much weight. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> they deliver food. I had, so when I had surgery, my last surgery, HSS, I order off menu pages and I ordered like sushi right to my hotel room. I'm not to, my, sorry, my uh, hospital bed. And then it was like 11 o'clock at night and I want some sweets. And I asked the nurse, hey, you know, like, do you guys have any sweets? She goes, just order insomnia yep. cookies. I said, order what? <laughs> insomnia so, cookies, yep. So it's like midnight. I'm in my hospital bed in the hospital at HSS, and I ordered six cookies and milk, and it showed up in 20 minutes, right? To my, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. I, it's so dangerous, though. It's really, really bad. It can get, it can get pretty dangerous. Yeah, it can get out of hand for both your weight and your wallet if you yeah. use, oh, if I you let. Yeah, we were actually doing our taxes yesterday, and we were looking up <laughs> how much we spent on just on Seamless alone. And Peter was like, "We can't eat for like another three weeks. We have to just, you know, lettuce. That's it." it yeah, it gets a uh, it gets out of control. What's your favorite food of all time? If you have like your last meal, what are you putting out Ooh. in front of you? Mm. I think pizza. I don't know. I, I feel like sushi, maybe, but. I'm not a big burger and hot dog guy. Maybe a ribeye. I don't know. But I think like if I get like a great, it's very odd. So New York pizza is great. And in Detroit, they have a square, like a square deep dish pizza. Uh-huh. I never had it before. And I, I had my cheat meal a couple weeks ago there. It was maybe the best pizza I've ever had in my life. It was unbelievable. I'm telling you, New York pizza is, and I hate to say this, but I think it's overrated. I'm really, I mean, these giant greasy, like sliding off the pizza slices, you have to fold it in half. I, I the flavor is good for the first bite or two, but otherwise after that I'm just eating a bunch of grease on like a little thin piece of crust. <laughs> I want the pie. I want the deep dish, right? I no. want like more to the pizza than no. just the a uh, thin layer of cheese. Best pizza in Brooklyn. That's the name of it. That is. That's phenomenal. what it's called. It's called best pizza. I think you're being swayed no, by no, the fact no, no, that no. it's called it's best phenomenal pizza. pizza. It's phenomenal. I, I, I said I don't like burgers, and I really that's not my favorite thing. But it, I could do In and Out though too. In and Out is really for amazing last, yeah. for a last like a last meal. Oh I, my, it's just so, it's so good. It's so good, but why won't they bring it to New York? Like, what's the because wait? Because of Shake, the reason, Shake Shack? No, no. The reason why I've been told why they don't expand and they are slowly doing it is because they want fresh meat. So and they only want the meat from certain places where they get it, and so they can't get it there within a day because the it, the appeal of In and Out is that everything's fresh. Yeah. So they never have really expanded, and, and now they are to Texas and Arizona, and I think they're actually building one in Oregon in my college town um, because they're able to get the meat there quicker or some something like that. Uh, but I don't ever see them moving to New York. I, I don't know. I don't think it has anything to do with the other chains that are there. I just don't see them moving out there. It's really a shame. I know, I've been to California twice, and both times the first thing I did was go to In-N-Out But Burger. it's like a luxury for everyone in New York because it's a must-stop. You that have your to favorite? go. Is that a better burger than, was it Shake, Shake Shack? Shake Shack's better? good, but yeah, In-N-Out's definitely better. Of the fast food burgers, I love In-N-Out Burger. But you're right. It's because it's fresh. I mean, that's yeah. their their number one selling point. It really bothers me when people say Five Guys is better than anything. Five Guys is disgusting. Thank you. It's not bad, but it's, it's gross, not it's not dude. close to in Everything is drenched in like not that clean peanut oil. Yeah. No, ev- listen. It's, we don't have in and out here. So you have to if you want a fast food burger, you kind of got to make that What about um, call. Steak and Shake? 
You ever uh, had Steak and Shake, Jeff? No, I haven't. Had, I think there's one in Charlotte. Haven't had that. Um, I don't eat a lot of chains, to be honest with you. Uh, like I do not do Chipotle. Oh, everyone loves what? Chipotle. <laughs> I'm not a big Chipotle guy either. Um, wait, wait, hold on, rewind. So, what do you do for Mexican food? I eat real Mexican food. Thank when you. I go to California. Thank you. Okay, Chipotle is not. But how Chipotle often are you in California? Chipotle is not Mexican food. No, it's definitely not. But but it's delicious. Um, how often <laughs> are you in California to eat Mexican food? What if you have a hankering for Mexican food in Charlotte? What do you do? There's there's a place that's pretty authentic. Um, but so I'm going to California for a wedding uh, next weekend and. Friday night, the rehearsal dinner is at El Cholo, which is like a famous Mexican place. So I'm saving like my cheat meal for that night. I haven't <laughs> had Mexican food in a long time, and I'm going to have multiple baskets of um, chips and have a large fajitas with rice, and I just can't wait. You're dreaming I'm, about it. I can tell. <laughs> it's so bad that I think about this stuff. Like This is like two <laughs> weeks in advance. I already know what I'm going to do for dinner. Um, but I just and Chipotle, like to me, okay. Also, a burrito. There's a burrito place right by my parents' house. They they know us so well. We've been going there, what? I mean, I'm 17, 18 years, I think. And you have to melt the cheese in the burrito. Chipotle just throws the cheese on top and then just wraps it and hands it to you. I understand. I get the bowl, but I like the cheese sprinkled on top. Or you don't really have to go with the cheese, like because the hot sauce, I think, and the chicken and the rice, all kind of, and the guac, all kinds of, you know. Stuff all mixed together. I don't know. I understand the uh, the sentiment kind of though, especially if you have access to real Mexican food. Yes. But if you don't, if you're a New Yorkers like us and you don't really get out, I mean, Chipotle is really the only way to go in terms of getting good, fast. Mexican I have my mom's. Food. I have my mom's cooking. I mean, you are Mexican, so yes. that's a little different. Yes. Well, that's not fair. Yes. Well, he's half Mexican, yeah. but his mom cooks amazing Mexican. Oh, food. she does. Jeff, you are a Jewish athlete. Do you feel like you have a responsibility to your Jewish fans being a Jewish athlete? Because I was, I was just thinking to myself, I wonder if in the locker room it matters what you know denomination you are, what faith you you know you practice, and I figured that it doesn't really only because everyone speaks the football language, and that really doesn't you know, come to play and you can, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's more so with the fans because Jewish fans identify with Jewish athletes more because there are so few of you in the league. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the locker room doesn't matter. We just get into some fun debates and people ask me questions all the time about Judaism. People think it's like a, like a, it's not that difficult of a religion to understand. And, um, I find that kind of amusing sometimes. I mean, there's some teammates I've had that have told me, you're like, you're the first Jewish person I've met. I'm sure they met Jewish people before they like, you know, didn't know they were Jewish, right. um, which is always shocking to me. But I guess that's true. I mean, I, I have no issue with that. I do think that you know, my brother and I are role models in the Jewish community. I met a guy today at the gym, and he said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a member of the tribe. You know, great. You know, thanks for signing <laughs> with Detroit. You know, we, there's a great J- Jewish community here. Uh, it's nice to have one of us you know, in, playing for the Lions. You know, like it's, a, it's a prideful thing uh-huh. uh, for Jews to have uh, one of their own um, playing in the NFL. It's really, yeah, it's interesting. I've never even thought about that aspect before about players not having met anyone who was Jewish in their life, because that's a, that's kind of a mind boggling concept, right? I'm sure they have, but they didn't know anyone who was, you know, it's not like you meet someone and you know, I mean, there's obviously last names, but you know, you don't meet someone all the time who's, you know, they don't announce what their religion is. No, but when you get to know someone, usually, you know, religion comes up one way or the other. Yeah, I, 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 and I don't think it's on purpose. I don't think people have gone out of their way to not meet any Jewish people. But, uh, you know, I mean, I have some buddies from West Texas. There's no Jews in West Texas. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And you work with the camp, uh, yeah, this, summer yeah, camp? This, yeah, this summer I'm going to be doing that. Uh, there's another event I have them doing at MetLife on May 8th um, called uh, Mayor. It's, uh, it's a great uh, charity. I did it with them last year. So it's fun to be able to, to do some of these um, you know, events and activities around the religion. I, I got to speak at a Holocaust survivor survivors uh, event in Princeton two years ago. I mean, it was incredible. I think I had to speak after them. I don't even know how I did it. I mean, wow. Uh, yeah, and there were nine Holocaust survivors there. It's incredible uh, yeah. to be able to speak at, a, at an event like that and meet these heroes and uh, just to you know to hear what they went through. And so that's the things that that I enjoy about you know. My Jewish fame, I guess. That's the way to put it. Yeah, because you, you are. Because, it, it, I mean, it plays a role in you being famous and you being Jewish. Does it ever impact you on the football field where you can't do something? No, I've, I've never sat out for Yom Kippur. Um, you know, there's not many opportunities you get to play. And I think that it's not fair to myself and, and to the team to not 
play on Yom Kippur. Uh, I find other ways to either go to synagogue. You know, the years that I don't play or I'm injured, I'll fast and you know I'll try to get there to services if I can. But it, it's just not worth it, really. I, I can I can do it when I'm done playing. How about um, Jewish fans who reach out to you on Twitter or Instagram? All the time. Yeah. Some ask me like why I don't keep kosher. I, I don't know. It's kind of frustrating sometimes, but um, because when I when I post photos of the food that I make, you know, I make a pork chop or shellfish. People sometimes ask me, well, you know, that's not kosher. But I never said I keep kosher, so it's not like I'm breaking, um, you know, a rule that I set for myself. I just don't do it. So, um, but pretty much interactions are great. A lot of them, you know, tell me, you know, they're proud of me. They're they're proud that you know that a Jewish players in the NFL that I can. Um, you know, support the religion and um, it, it, interaction, you know, generally in Twitter, you know, that 99% of people are nice. And it's the 1% that always tweet you that are the trolls. It's just the way, same way with the Judaism thing. Well, yeah. And it's really uh, outrageous. So um, my husband, Peter, who, you know, is Jewish. And when he gets hate on Twitter and Instagram, he just looks at me like, who are these people? And I understand that it goes, you know, all sorts of different ways. They can hate you about anything. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's religious based or not, but it's just outrageous how when the anti-Semitism comes out, it seems like it's just a different level. It's like something that's been ingrained in them to have to say to you to, to come out in, in this like aggressive, hateful way. Do you get anti-Semitic comments to you often, like through social media? Not that I can recall. I've, Good. I, I, and I think it. I think it just has to come. It's just ignorance, not yeah. knowing the religion. Yeah. Um, that's what it is. And it's same with a lot of this the issues that happen in the world. Um, I had some of it in college, um, but not really. I've had a, a couple guys in the NFL kind of just have just tried to like almost convert me. I mean, I don't know. It's a I don't even know <laughs> another way to put it, but like that's basically kind of what happened. I mean, they just like were just so amazed that I didn't believe in, in their religion that they wanted me to come along to their religion. Um, so I, you know, I just, people find it that, you know, that, you know, Jews don't believe that Jesus was a Messiah and people have trouble with that. Right. So I was at WrestleMania this weekend and the experience of being at such a crazy event and something that, you know, I haven't really been into for a long time, but I've recently gotten more into it because my husband's very involved and yes. I go along with, you know, it's like the wife going along in the business trips. And WrestleMania, I have to tell you, I went two years ago in New Orleans and they held it at the Superdome. And I was like, I wish I was watching football here, but this is the second best thing because I'm, you know, since I'm a yeah. producer in TV, I'm very into the logistics and the production of the whole thing. And it is unbelievable how they get this off. I mean, it must be something similar to the Super Bowl when you have these huge key oh, events because sure. it, that's it's kind of like their Super Bowl. Um, are you into wrestling at all? Are you into these big, you know, crazy events? Like if the Super Bowl, if you get an invite to the Super Bowl, do you want to go? Or would you rather stay back and, and watch on your on your couch? So Duke was at, and he lives in Dallas and he was there. Uh, so I asked him about the event. He sent a bunch of snaps and stuff and it looked amazing. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's entertainment, right? Yeah. So they're going to put on a good show. Um, I used to watch wrestling a lot as a kid, uh, kind of the Attitude Era. I loved it. Uh, yep. And then Stone Cold, then Stone Cold got hurt and kind of was away for a while. And Triple H and Stephanie took over, and Vince took over. Like they were in prominent roles, and I just didn't like it anymore. So I stopped watching. Um, everyone tells me that I need to start watching again, but I just don't. I mean, I follow if people post, you know, vines or or clips. You know, whenever something happens in sports, sometimes they put that uh, the call of um, the Hell in the Cell when um, mankind almost died. Right. Uh, I miss, I missed some of those matches. Those were awesome. So, um, but I, I don't like going to big events. Uh, I go to the Super Bowl week every year and I always come home for it. I've been to a couple of big events. I was, went to see Oregon play a national championship game and I don't know. I like being able to sit on my couch, have my food, have a bathroom, um, <laughs> just not, I'm not a big tailgating person, so like you know, going early and tailgating is not my thing. Uh -huh. I've done it, you know, I, I did it for that that game. I actually went to uh, Kansas City Royals opening day uh, when I was in Kansas City, and they tailgated. I mean, it's fun for a little bit, but not a big event. I went to a World Series game in 2014 in San Francisco. That was awesome. It's only forty thousand people, and you walk there. It's not like you're kind of confined there, but. No, I like staying home. Yeah, uh, I'll go to a Super Bowl if my brother plays in it, or obviously if I'm you know a member of a team that's that's there. But I don't really have a desire to go to a big event like that. 
Where do you sit when you go? Like, so when you went to the Oregon game, are you immersed in the crowd? Are you in a suite somewhere? Where do you go? Oh, no one knows who I am. It's not like that. I'm gonna people are gonna know who I was. We were lucky enough to get club seats, so those were nice. And then for the World Series, I just bought tickets on StubHub. Uh, I mean, we sat. You know, I was wearing Giants shirt, Giants hat, Giants jacket. I mean, you know, no one even question who I was. You know, people look at me a lot and think, well, this guy probably plays sports, but I don't know who he is. I uh-huh. get that all the time. <laughs> do you get any recognition? Like, do people come up to you like, oh my God, Chad, thank you so much, blah, blah, blah. And they're big fans. People, I mean, you have to get some recognition. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, get, no. I get stares. You know, like we was my buddy, um, TJ Ling for the Packers. I guess we're rivals now, so we, we can't be friends, but we <laughs> went uh, to the driving range uh, last week and there was high school kids and the golf team and they just stared at us for an hour <laughs> but we weren't we weren't wearing any team gear I mean they're not gonna really know who we are and I you know I live in a big city in Charlotte I don't play for the Panthers no one really knows who I am they actually think I'm a couple of the Panthers so that's always entertaining um, but no I mean in New York not really I mean maybe in Jersey but in Manhattan there's so many stars and that's what I kind of like about big cities like in LA and, and New York is that People aren't starstruck, you know, like it's not a big deal if they see a celebrity. Right. But it must be weird to be gawked at because, you know, oh, it's super weird. Yeah. Because people are trying to figure out who you are. And, you know, if it ever does click, then they're like running up to you after having stared at you for an hour. Yeah. Um, a couple of good stories. I was at a bar uh, when I used to go out. This is a long time ago. With my with, We were dating, my wife and I. And a guy pulled up a Google picture of me and it like the phone in my face. It says, is this you? And I was like, yes. And I left the bar. And then the first couple of times my wife and I went out to like, we went to a Target. Jeez, I should, Target should sponsor me. I mentioned them three times. Yeah. <laughs> we were in Target and people were staring. I mean, it, it took my wife like a second to like get used to it because um, people just, it's all, it's always men too. Uh, it just, yeah, no, women never, women never stare, just men. And they just look at me. Sometimes I look back at them. I don't know. I should just make funny faces sometimes, maybe. That'd be really funny. Yeah, you should start doing something because these guys have no right to stare at you. Like, mind your own business, dude. And I'm just like in shopping in Target with my wife. Yeah, I don't even notice it anymore, honestly. Um, it's just so commonplace. I mean, I'm huge. I'm, I'm, people are going to look. People look at everything nowadays. So it's never been a big deal. I've never really run into anyone crazy about it. I mean, the guy who put the phone in my face, I mean, whatever. He's being a loser. But <laughs> it hasn't really happened much lately, I don't think. Maybe in Detroit. And who knows? Well, that'll be interesting. What's it going to be like for you going from New York to Detroit? Because those are way different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, the organi- I don't know much about the Lions organization yet. You know, I'll learn as I as I go. But the Giants organization, you know, everyone says it, it's true. They're you know they're they're one of the best. And I think that just the city of Manhattan, there's so much to do. And we didn't we did a lot, but we didn't we weren't over the top about it. But you know, there's a lot of perks about being a Giants player. You know, whether it's you know the Rangers tickets or Knicks tickets or you know, I organized us to go to a um, a Mets game last. I'm a huge San Francisco Giants fan, and so the Giants were in town, and I got all of us to go to the whole offensive line. Went to batting practice. We got club seats. It was night Heston through the no hitter too. So it was just a great. It was a great night. Like I don't. I don't know if you can do that in other cities. Wow. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So San Francisco Giants fan, but I've been seeing that you've been writing stuff on Twitter about, you know, joining on the Detroit Tigers bandwagon. What's going on there? You got a team in the NL and a team in the AL? Yeah, and if they meet, I root for the Giants. Right, of course. I always I always find it interesting that fans get upset that I don't root for the entire spectrum of teams in their city. And I always ask them, you know, if you, it was a lot of it happened when I was in New York and I said, you know, if you move to Dallas, are you going to be a Cowboys fan now? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, that's my point. Uh, <laughs> you can be all in in the city. I'm all in for the Detroit Lions. I hope the Tigers do well. I hope the Red Wings and the Pistons. But I'm still going to root for the Lakers and the Giants. It doesn't change. And it was pretty funny when Kansas City and the Giants played. I had already left Kansas City. All those people were upset with me that I wasn't rooting for the Royals. But I'm a Giants fan. I'm not rooting for the Royals. You right. get over it. 
So I'm a huge Redskins fan, and I went down to AT and T Stadium. Yeah, I let her know that every day. So I went down to AT and T Stadium for the first time. First of all, that stadium is a spaceship. It is huge. huge. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. And when I was in there, you know, I was trying my hardest to keep an open mind, but I was like, ah. The, you know, the Dallas stars everywhere and it's got all the, you know, Dallas greats uh, up throughout the stadium. And I'm, you know, we're in one of the suites and the food is fantastic. And then I was walking around downtown Dallas. Downtown Dallas is fantastic. And they have this awesome running trail that I went on. And that mid running trail, they have like a little shack where you can pull up a stool and like grab a beer and then continue. And it was, it, there was so much that I liked about the city that I was like, damn it. I wish I was a Cowboys fan, but I can obviously <laughs> never really say that as a Redskins fan, but it was, yeah, just, no you know, yeah, but it, I mean, the city of Dallas was unbelievable. It was really, really cool. I've never been there before. Are you saying you don't like FedEx Field? Oh my God, it is the worst. It ha- it's the worst, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's. I mean, o- Oakland's is bad. O.co is should not be a stadium anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I saw that design for the new FedEx Field with the moat around it. Oh yeah, should what do you think about that? So that'll go over well when it freezes. Yeah, and, yeah, and it'll go over well when all of the um, drunk fans stumble in like zombies and just end up getting caught in the moat instead of making it across the bridge to get to the stadium. I feel like the moat's is- a very terrible idea. Yeah. It gets raucous there sometimes, though. I, I mean, 2012, we were there with the Vikings, and that was the game RG3 had the 76-yard run to win the game. I mean, yeah. it, got, it got loud there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, some of these stadiums, they just get old, you know, and when they're not uh, – when team's not winning. I was there in 2013 in FedEx Field with the Chiefs, and it snowed that game, and there might have been 5,000 fans that came out for the second half. Yeah. Well, was, I mean, the, when it when it does get raucous – um, it's really the only thing that Washington has, right? So the Capitals have just been good recently. The Wizards have a good team, but refuse to win and refuse to actually use their talent for <laughs> something good. And then, you know, the Nationals are just brand new, even though they've got Bryce Harper and, and superstars on that team. But they're pretty brand new. Yet they had the Orioles forever. Uh, but then once the Orioles were not doing well anymore, they were terrible. So there's just like so much back and forth and all over the place with all the different organizations in D.C. But it's like the Redskins, even though they've been up and down, it's like they've been the one constant even though I feel like the name should change, even though I'm a diehard fan. How do you feel about the name? Yeah, I, I honestly have not thought about it too much. Um, I mean, it. we moved to a point now where it's clearly people find it offensive, you know? And um, I know there are some sports writers that refuse to even say the, the word Redskins. Yeah. Uh, and, and there have been teams that have changed their name and they've done fine with it. Uh, I don't know what you change it to. I think if there's enough of an outcry, eventually it, it probably will have to get changed. Uh, I don't really know. Is there, I mean, do fans care that much? I don't know. You're a Redskins fan. I mean, obviously you care, but I mean, is it? I think if the fans start really caring about it, it'll end up changing. But if it's just, um, you know, legislation, you know, legislators that care, it might not happen. I care more because I'm on, on the liberal side of things, and I feel like if it's offensive, yeah, then it, it should be changed. Yeah, I mean, no, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm feel the same way. But yeah, um, I just don't see it happening unless, you know, they start losing money off of it. Essentially, right. I mean, but you know, a Poland had to have the bullets changed from the bullets to the wizards, and that was a huge deal. And I remember when they had, you know, the polling for what to name the team, and all of the teams were terrible. But I thought the worst one was the wizards, and that's what they ended up with. <laughs> I still think it's terrible, but because I'm not into the whole fantasy. Um, fake stuff uh you you love game of thrones though i do love game of thrones but dragons are real dude so it's it's amazing so that's okay so i have the same issue where i don't watch any sci-fi but i love game of thrones and sometimes i just don't understand how that happened like i'm like that's not it's a it's a medieval show that has wizardry and dragons and weird face changing people it's like <laughs> it's like what do you i don't know what to make of it sometimes it's because hbo is so brilliant but that's know, what it is and the character development happens. is so kick-ass i know how it happened for everyone who's not into sci-fi and fantasy that first season was just like a medieval food sex and murder show which was then, which actually existed in the history right. of yeah and then in the last episode of that season they were like and dragons and then everyone was like but I've already invested time and I hate this stuff. Now you're, you're in. They sucked you into that first season just like there's murder, there's swords and you're like, okay, it's cool, it's medieval and there's all sex and violence and then dragons happened and now everyone's just like, well, my hatred for sci-fi and fantasy, I love it now in this one instance. That was your excuse to say sex as many times as you could in <laughs> one like, little instance on the podcast. <laughs> well, we've gone completely out of sports though. <laughs> yeah. 
Was the House of the Undead or Undying or whatever with Khaleesi went in there? Was that in the season one too? That was two. Yeah, I think that, that was, was a, that was the first time where I was like, "Whoa, what just happened?" <laughs> but and you're so like my, my brother read all the books, so I would just text him. It's by the way. Did you read the books? Yes. So I read okay. the first book, but I struggled to get through it. I so, mean, it was very hard to understand, and I read my, a lot. My absolute favorite thing about Game of Thrones is that the people that get upset that doesn't follow the book, like my brother would get furious. He would send me like 10 text messages <laughs> after the show's over, like, this, that's not how it happened. And this is just go. Like, he would send me like screenshot of like pages in the book and like, this is what happened. And I'm like, dude. It's a TV show, buddy. They can't fit in a thousand-page book into ten episodes. Like it, I loved it. Now he doesn't even care. You know, now he's just like doesn't even. You know, like all text him like, hey, did this like really? Because I guess last season, like there were like seven, what seven cliffhangers or something like that, and only two of them were really happened in the book. So now he's like calmed down to where he's more like figuring out it's okay to. Just watch it as a fan. Well, I also think, yeah, and I think also the show has gotten so badass that people are like, okay, I can give up the fact that it doesn't follow the book exactly just because the show has gotten so good. But I've I do understand scene, the loyalty. I've watched that scene where the uh, the Night's Watch, uh, what, no, the yeah, the um, the Frozen dude, the Night's the Night's King, like that when he came down on John and they had that whole battle scene, like, incredible when he when everyone like when he raised his hands, everyone woke up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah that, was, like, that was a the wild coolest, scene. It's unbelievable. Who do you the think? Show on TV. Do you think Jon Snow is really dead? No, he can't be right. No, there's. I mean, he's and they've reported he's been seen filming, but um, there's so many ways for him to still be alive because the Red Lady's there; they can revive him. Yeah. Um, the are those guys that it's the night the the king? What what's the name of the, of the White the, Walkers? The White Walkers, the king. What's the name of the king? The White Walkers. Oh, I don't remember the name of the King of the White Walkers. Just oh, like the well, main badass White Walker dude. Yeah, the yeah. main. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's like a, I think he's like a knight. He's called like a knight, knight's king or something like that. I don't know. And but he can he can. The rumors that he's a Stark, so he's gonna save Jon Snow. Have you heard these rumors, Kyle? You're knights, the big you're big nerd. I, I am a big nerd. I've heard a lot of rumors. But I'm just I'm just waiting two weeks to watch. Like I'm done buying yeah, into he, all he, the rumors. Knights, he's, he's a knight's king. Yeah. That's what his name is. Yeah, that the dude who made everyone rise from the dead. Supposedly, uh, John is, you know, is a Stark, and he and the Night's King is a Stark as well. So he's going to come in and save him and turn him in to a White Walker. By the way, there was a trailer recently where um, they were showing a bunch of faces in the the Hall of Faces. And, you know, all the Hall of Faces has all the dead people uh, up on all the different you know, podiums and, you know, you see, um, all the people that have died throughout the series, right. It starts with Ned Stark yep. and it goes through and then you see Jon Snow and then you see Khaleesi and then you're like, Oh, well, this is just, come on. Like, what is this? This is speculation that everyone's dead. Like this must be the last scene of the entire thing. If you guys are telling me that everyone's dead, but it reminded me of when, cause it showed Ned Stark and we haven't seen him in so long. It reminded me of when he was killed. Like that scene was so kick-ass and that started the entire series. It was unbelievable. Just don't have a wedding in Westeros. Yeah, <laughs> and the, like that's the thing about the show. And I, like, it's funny when you watch other shows. Like, like I watch The Walking Dead, right? And their characters survive like the most random stuff they should never survive. And then you watch Game of Thrones; they just slaughter everybody all the time. What do you like better, Walking Dead or Game of Thrones? Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. there's oh. no, there's not a chance. Like Walking Dead, I basically order the season pass and then just watch them randomly. Like I, Game of Thrones, I think is the only show now that I sit down at nine o'clock on Sundays to watch. Right, because you don't want it to be spoiled. Whereas Walking Dead, it's like, eh, that character dies. You Whatever. Can, yeah. Yeah. Any other shows that you watch? Um, I've seen almost everything. I mean, I have so much free time in the off season. Like, I'm, I'm my family's not here with me in Detroit. I mean, what else? I don't really play video games, so I just watch TV shows. Um, I've seen probably all the famous ones. What I love are your the favorite? Wire. I've watched I've watched The Wire three times through. I'm glad to hear that. I'm still trying to get Alexa to watch it the whole way through. So I watched the first uh, season, but the problem was that I was one of those people who watched it late, and because everyone kept telling me how awesome it was, and I had no qualms watching it. But when then I actually did watch it, when they were using pagers and typewriters and payphones, <laughs> it like is so outdated at this point to me. I just couldn't. I, after that, I was like, I couldn't do this anymore, guys. But the characters are great. Um, yeah. And I still refer to all those guys as their character names from The Wire, but there's just the 
updated technology in every other show I'm watching. They're like transporting through time, and this one they're like still typing like do 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 on a typewriter. No, I'm like, I, can't, I, I, can't no, I do get it. it. Oh, I, I get that. Season two, too, by the way, is different. Like you have to like go back and watch it again to appreciate season two because it comes back up like in season four and five. Um, I like well my my favorite show of all the time is The Office. Oh my god, uh, me so too. I like, the Office. I, I've seen every episode. Like, I'll just be bored and be like, okay, let's watch season three again. Yeah. Um, season three is the best one, by the way. We're, we we can debate that another time. But um, have you watched The British Office? No. Is it good? It is. You really should get it. It's phenomenal. Ricky Gervais is a genius, and you'll understand a lot of the humor, um, the British humor, just because being such a huge Office American Office fan. And then and then Parks and Rec. Parks oh, yeah. and Rec is great. Aziz Ansari is hilarious. Oh, uh, they canceled it. So disappointing. I know. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch any TV anymore. Everything I watch is Netflix or HBO Go or show, uh, Homeland. Homeland was great this season. Uh, I heard The Americans is really good. I have not watched that yet. Same. I've heard it's awesome. How about um, Silicon Valley? Yep. Love I watched it. the whole yeah the whole Sunday thing like the Silicon Valley, John Oliver, and Veep. Yep. All of them. But not only Game of Thrones. Only when I watch like nine o'clock on Sunday, then I go to sleep. Um, I just finished the OJ show. That was good. Um, isn't it crazy how how real? I mean, because you remember the the trial and everything. Yeah. Probably not as well as someone who's you know five or six years older than no. than we are, but re- well enough to remember all of the hype and how crazy it was. And it was actually that crazy. Yeah, I just look at the evidence. I still am shocked that he they didn't. The jury was not even a hung jury. I mean, like it just it still amazes me um, because. I think nowadays, if you would have tried that case with the better DNA evidence, he'd be 100%. Everyone would find him guilty. I think it's just it's such an interesting case. And I thought the, the actors and actresses did a great job. Yeah. Uh, the Johnny Cochran um, character was was great. Marsha Clark. I mean, they were all Judge Ito. I mean, they were all great. And it was funny seeing them again on TV because I was, you know, I was 10 and um, or eight, eight, maybe my math is wrong, eight. I lived three miles from the Bundy scene. Wow. So. Uh, you know, I went through a lot of that, and uh, it was a good show. I thought they did a good job. Do you remember that? So you were very close to it. So you had a different experience even than I did because I was in D.C. Yeah, I mean, we drove by the scene all the time. I mean, for 10 years after it happened, people would s- take photographs outside. They redid the whole thing, and people would still take photographs. It's crazy. Have you ever taken a photograph? No, I'm not a big memorabilia photograph dude. I, I live there. What do I, I mean, I know exactly what it looks like. Why do I have to take a photo of it? Right, right. Do you have any sort of um, memorabilia that you keep? Anything that you, you know, when you take photos or do you guys scrapbook or do you, you know, trophy cases, anything like that? Obviously, I have my jerseys. I have um, my brothers. Uh, and then I'm slowly trying to get some from other guys that I, that are, like Max Unger, who I played Oregon with, and Ryan Khalil, Jordan Gross. I think I have their jerseys. And I have um, Jonathan Stewart's, D'Angelo Williams. Um, I have a cool picture with me and Eli that I'm going to frame um, and, you know, just pick up stuff here and there because I'm in, a, in the house I'm building. I'm going to have a sweet, you know, TV room essentially and all the stuff will go in there. What did you feel about Tom Coughlin when he left the Giants? Because I was just thinking about when you were saying Eli in a frame picture uh, that you have with Eli. Do you have any of that with Tom? Did you have a bond with him? Um, uh, I never really had like a, a bond with the head coach. Um, I guess in the way that you know Tom and Eli have a bond, I think you saw like with Eli's emotions. I think summed it up for a lot of us. You know, we were disappointed that we let Coach down. Um, I think what makes Coach so special is that he's just a a great guy off the field. You know, his stuff with charity work and how he wanted us to be better husbands and fathers. And you know, I think as much as people griped about the discipline that he instilled i think it's great i think it's a good lesson to be early to things uh, yeah. i'm always early to things i think it's it's okay to be to have a dress code and to do things professionally so i appreciate that uh, you know about coach and um you know i mean they never had like a i don't know the i, I think quarterbacks well, i've been on a lot of teams too but i think quarterbacks and, and head coaches have a much different relationship than the rest of the team because you know eli's meeting with coughlin probably twice a week for the last 12 years Right. Uh, he's been his only head coach. So I think that that relationship is going to be different, but we were all disappointed. I mean, we were, I remember when I saw the news, um, you know, just, you just were sad. You know, we all yeah. liked coach. No, no one, no one 
disliked him. And two, I mean, we were still playing hard for him. If you look at a lot of our losses, you know, we had a couple bad games, you know, the Vikings game at the end of the year. But generally, you know, guys were still giving all their effort for coach, which a lot of times in, in organizations where uh, you don't win a lot, you know, guys kind of pack it in and don't play hard. But that was never the case with us. Are you surprised he doesn't have a job right now? I think that he's looking for the right fit, a place that can win now. Uh-huh. And if you looked at the at the places he was – a rumor they don't they're not built to really win any, and now like they don't have a court like i like if if chuck pagano had left indy and like that would be a place i could see coach coming in because andrew luck's there ready to go kind of ready to go program i think that's what he's looking for which is tough nowadays most of the time you know you have a good quarterback that saves a coach's job you don't there's not a lot of jobs open up with quarterbacks in place that are of the caliber of andrew luck Right, right. So there are two things that we want to close the podcast with. One, I want to ask you, do you have any funny stories with you and teammates, anyone that through your journey in the NFL um, is, you know, a character, someone that we might not know flies, flies a little bit under the radar that you are either buddy buddy with or, you know, like a little brother to or older brother to anyone that maybe has some sort of unique character that we don't really know? Well, the guys that were my mentor were Jordan Gross in Carolina and Ryan Cleel's a good buddy of mine and they were big prank guys uh-huh. not malicious pranks but just pranks and so one day this was 2010 i believe i think i walked in a locker room it was like november i walked in the locker room and there were wedding invitations for a fake wedding of, for me and my wife uh that they went ahead and pay, like they paid a thousand dollars for nice oh. wedding invitations so like <laughs> jeffrey isaiah schwartz you know meredith olivia snipes at temple israel of course I just you know it's a fictitious temple but close enough and uh in la and they put it in everyone's locker and they put it in all the staff's locker too so i got out to practice and a bunch of coaches were congratulating me and telling me that they couldn't make the wedding, but they'll send me a gift. Oh my And all God. just just shenanigans. It was so funny. That is at amazing. The time, at the time, I didn't think it was funny. Um, of course but not. <laughs> now, but now, now I look back, um, it's pretty great. Uh, we had a lot of fun there. Uh, those guys kind of taught me how to uh, be a pro, but also enjoy you know playing the games. I think you have to have fun playing. Um, you can't just you know you can't be so uptight about it. So they did a good job of, of helping me kind of get through that. And there were times where, I mean, it's a little different now. I, I never felt like I was bullied, but uh, not, not even close. It wasn't even close. But, you know, it's just um, the interaction with rookies nowadays is a lot different than it used to be. How does your wife feel about that prank uh, wedding invitation scenario? She, she didn't care. Um, wow. Good wife. Well, good for her. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Oh, geez. Another thing that reminds me. So um, the, the same guys. So we bought a house in 2010 and um, my wife was told by her friends to register for housewarming gifts on you know, Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever it was. So I made the mistake of telling the offensive linemen that they should come to the party and here's where we registered. So about a week after I told them that, I walk in the offensive line room and they had bought five or six items off the registry and hung them in the offensive line room. <laughs> so they took like towels we ordered that we wanted. Um, they took like margarita glasses and they just put them on everyone's table. Like we decorated our room with the stuff that was supposed to be for my registry. It was so funny. Oh my God. It was like a piece of artwork. There was um, <laughs> the margarita glasses. There was, it just was unbelievably funny. Cause you're just trying to be a normal dude. Like, Hey guys, here's where we're registered. And they're yeah. like, ah, oh, yeah, here we go. But they bought me a really sweet photo of Willie Mays though. Like a signed, so it made up for it, but um, like they had, like they took the towel, like we we had, a, we wanted towels and towel rack, and they hung it in the O line room and used it like to wipe off the whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> but it's my fault. I should have known better. I should have known that if I was going to tell them about this, that this is what would happen. Like I would never do that now. Like now I know to not do that. But I just was like, I was like, oh, these you come to my party. Here's my housewarming list. That is, it crushed me. I that got is crushed. so amazing. All right. So Jeff, we end every podcast with an embarrassing story. I've spent several podcasts and a lot of my career doing things that are really embarrassing. Um, so I've gotten a lot of mine out. So it's now it's your turn. So do you have anything embarrassing that you've done? I mean, sometime throughout your life or in your career that you can share with us on the uh, podcast? How long? How how, how how? I guess it's a podcast. You can say whatever you want. Well, yeah. Okay. Right. So, like, let me give you an example. Victor Cruz talked about how he almost shat himself on a first date and then had to go um, 
relieve himself, okay. like in the back. Yeah, yeah. So you, it, it can, it, we can go as far as you want to go All on right, this podcast. So, all right. So every now and then on Twitter, I talk about flying, and this one guy always um, tweets me the same story. I don't know how he knows, but now he, but he knows, and it's really funny. So I was flying to Kansas City, I think, and I had a poop attack. I, I'm sure everyone's had a poop attack before. Um, <laughs> we just like you have to go now. Like there's no, there's no. There's no leeway. Like it's it's happening now, and we were landing. So I'm like, stewardess, I'm going into the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom as we landed, and supposedly it was not. I guess it was a bad. I don't know. It was bad. I guess I thought I cleaned up. I don't know. <laughs> but the guy, this guy, tweets me all the time. Like, hey, did you blow up the toilet this time? <laughs> so I ask him. So I'm like, dude, how do you know? I guess the flight attendant like told people. Oh, like he was a friend of the flight attendant and she opened her big fat mouth. Yes. Oh my God. I don't know how many people, now everyone knows, but before this, I don't know how many people knew that I blew up a U.S. Airways. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's like, that's pretty bad, right? This guy like would tweet me literally like every six months. Hey dude, how's the bathroom doing? And for three, I ignored him for like three years and finally I was like, dude, how do you know this is what happened? (laughs) And he told me, he's like the flight attendant's a friend of a friend and but how many people has she told? In like any industry, people share inside secrets. I'm just shocked. That like this dude would text. He just. It was so funny. It's so funny. I'm sure he'll tweet me in three months about it again. Well, he's also so excited that he got like the inside scoop on someone who's famous. That he Jeff like, Schwartz. <laughs> I don't know if I'm famous. You keep saying that. I appreciate it, but like I don't know. I have a check next to my name on Twitter. Does that count as being famous? I guess no, because I have that, and I'm definitely not famous. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, guys. Kyle, thank you so much. Lance, our audio engineer, thank you. We are at Studio 54. We had a great time. Good luck this season, Jeff. We uh, wish you all the best. I'm not a huge Lions fan, but I will definitely be looking out for you, and we wish you the best in your health as well. Thank you, guys. Let's go get a snack.